0: you are listening to the actor aesthetic podcast episode 201 and today we're talking about swings and understudies in the theater industry college auditions and learning a new skill in 2024 let's get started What's up, everyone? My name is Maggie Barra. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced by me, Maggie Barra, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow me for more on social media at Actor Aesthetic or my personal account at Maggie Barra. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Listen, I just wanted to start off this podcast with a quick thank you. For those of you who follow me on my personal account, at Maggie Barra, you might have seen me post that I was nominated for a Broadway World Award, and I just found out I won, which is really cool. This is uh, specifically for the 2023 Off-Broadway Broadway Broadway World Awards. Last year, I was in a brand new musical called Powerline Road Off-Broadway in a theater in New York City, and the show is written by Michael Fink, who is a New York City based composer, lyricist, playwright, all of the above. And it was the most exciting production I think I've ever been a part of because it was not only in New York City, but we were building it from the ground up. I mean, there were lyric changes and score changes and pages were getting taken out of the script and moved around. And we were a part of that. And to have the show recognized was really cool. So I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have voted. You made me feel really, really special. And we could not have done it without you, literally. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So this week was National Swing Week. And if you saw Broadway World or Playbill or Actors' Equity post about it, and you have no idea what that means, let me just break it all down for you and why swings are so important to our industry. So a swing is a special member of the ensemble who learns multiple parts or sometimes people refer to them as tracks and are able to cover for multiple members of the chorus. Depending on the last minute need of a show, a swing could go on for any number of tracks. Could go on for one of the tracks they're covering, could go on for... A split track, which is multiple tracks in the same show, which is insane to even think about. But this is all a possibility, and they're, they're basically like the first responders of the theater. They're on call, and they are ready to save the show at a moment's notice. They're pretty awesome. Swinging a show is going to look different for different types of people, different types of learners. And also, it's gonna look different depending on the kind of show you're covering and the tracks that you're covering. For example, swinging a dance-heavy show, like a chorus line, is gonna look really different than swinging a vocally-heavy show, like Les Mis or Sweeney Todd. One is certainly not easier than the other, however, it takes a very particular kind of person to be able to successfully swing a show. And swinging is different than covering one or two roles in a show. Maybe you're covering, you're in the ensemble and you're understudying a lead in the show, or you're a standby, meaning that you're off stage and ready and willing to go on stage and perform that role in the off chance that the person that usually plays that role has fallen ill. This is different than that. Swinging typically means that you cover more than one role at a time. And it requires you to have the type of brain to handle multiple things at once, or at least to learn multiple things at once, and then be able to compartmentalize when you do have the opportunity to finally go on for the role, or at least one of the roles that you swing. A swing could go on for a role in Hamilton one day and the next day go on for an entirely different role. Or it could be even more complicated where a swing could do a split track, which means that they do multiple tracks that they cover in the show during the same show, during the same performance. They play more than one character. When I did Escape to Margaritaville over the summer last year, we actually had that happen a couple of times. We had two fabulous swings, Brett and Sarah and... They were ready to go all the time, no matter what they were doing. They were also in the show, so they were considered onstage swings, meaning they were in the ensemble, but in the case that someone was sick, someone had COVID, someone was physically not well, whatever the case, they were on vacation or they were taking off for the show that night, they were ready. And there were multiple occasions in which they had to go on for more than one role that they cover. This happens when the show is shifted around a lot and they don't have enough coverage to account for the number of bodies that are usually on the stage in a normal performance. And for us in that particular show, that would happen if the lead was out, that understudy was going on, and the swing was having to cover the understudy's track as well as their own Or if multiple people were out in a given day, they'd have to cover both. So if this is confusing you or blowing your mind right now to even think of someone who would be capable of doing this and doing this successfully and to the scale of doing it at a regional theater, professional theater, Broadway, then you're not alone because (laughs) it's literally crazy. It is an insane, insane position in the theater world to be in you are incredibly valuable because directors can rely on you when you're good at swinging and you keep the show going the show must go on and sometimes audiences don't even realize a swing is on unless they look in their playbill and see the little insert that says for this performance the role usually played by blank will be played by the swing's name My first swing experience in a show was for Rent. Um, I was the swing for the ensemble, but then I also understudied Maureen. This was in college at Texas State University, and that was really, really hard. That was my first experience ever swinging, and I had my work cut out for me. One of the things that really helped me was uh, color coding the roles down to highlighting each role a different color, my notes in my computer, were written in a different color for a different track, Um, and then making cheat sheets for myself. If I ever had to go on for a particular person, I would have something with me backstage so that I could quickly look at that and then just go right on and jump right into it. Some Swings like to create what they call a Bible for their show, and they break down all of the needs for each track that they cover All of the backstage pattern, the costume changes, the blocking on stage, the lyrics, the dialogue, everything. They organize that binder by character, and that's something that's really helpful too. If the opportunity ever presents itself where you have the chance to swing a show, or to learn how to swing a show, I highly suggest you at least consider doing it because it is a skill that's really hard to learn once you're already in the professional world. Even if you're in high school, if you can ask to understudy a role, or if you're in college, if you can ask to understudy a role in your show or to swing the show, maybe you weren't necessarily cast in the show, but you want to learn that skill, get out of your comfort zone and ask. You'll never get what you want unless you ask for it. Most people want to play the lead. They want to book the lead. When you're in high school, you want to book the lead in your high school show. Or when you're in college, you want to get the lead in that show so you can put it on your resume and have something to show for yourself when when you get to the real world. And I'm telling you right now, yeah, sure, having a lead is nice on your resume. But something that's really, really nice to look at on your resume is having an understudy credit or a swing credit or a dance captain credit something that is outside of just playing the lead it is a great skill to have now if you're an off stage swing and you don't usually get to perform in the show and you're not used to that experience sometimes that sometimes that position can feel a little mundane it can feel a little thankless You have to go to the theater every night, but you're not performing in the show. So when the curtain comes down and everyone's clapping and cheering for the show and you walk outside and no one knows who you are when you're going to the stage door, to the average person, you might think, well, why would I want to be a swing if I get no recognition for it? But I'm telling you, within the industry, I consider swings with the highest regard. And I'm pretty sure everyone does. Casting directors, directors, agents, managers, music directors, choreographers. We love you. We love Swings because they keep the show going. And when you're in a show and a Swing puts on an incredible show with last minute notice, you will never forget it. Just wanted to take the time to shout out some of the hardest working people in the biz. Y'all know who you are and you are very, very special. So college auditions are coming up. I have been working with a couple of students, preparing them for their college auditions. And every year, it really takes me back to my own experience. And to think about how nervous I was, how much I thought I knew about auditioning and performing, and how much I thought I knew about myself. But when I really get lost in thought about it, I remember that I was only 18. You know, I I actually was, I turned 18 in January of my senior year. So I was 17 applying to these schools and many students when they're applying to college, even, you know, in just the quote unquote real world are 17. And it's a crazy thing to think about being so young and having to put so much energy into figuring out where you're going to spend the next chapter of your life and what you're going to spend your energy doing that could potentially define your career. I mean, you're 17 and it's one thing to go through a typical college acceptance or college application process, but going through a college audition process, applying to the school, writing essays, sending in pr- transcripts and all of that, but then also auditioning for the program, it's the strangest experience in the world. It, it is unlike anything I have ever experienced in the professional world. It is so weird, but it's necessary, at least for now, to at least be accepted into a musical theater program. If you've already been through the process, especially if you're in the professional world now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you're listening to this today and you're either thinking about going through the college audition process or you're currently in the thick of it, I just want to remind you something that stuck with me as I was watching And sitting in on auditions for Texas State's program after I was already there. Like after I was already accepted and I was going to school there. And even after when I graduated. After I graduated, I sat in on auditions. No one knows what the hell they're doing. Whether you think you're super prepared. Whether you think you know it all. or Whether you think you have no idea what you're doing, you never worked with a coach before, you never had the opportunity to go to a high school that championed the arts or never went to a performing arts high school or didn't do a whole lot of shows growing up and you feel a little behind, it does not matter. I know it's really easy to think that you have to put your entire life on the line for these auditions and that these auditions will make or break your career, but I am telling you now that they just simply won't. They might influence it, they might help it, but they're not going to make or break your career because there are so many pathways to success in this industry, and success is only defined by you. Everyone defines success differently, especially in an, in an industry, hello, in an industry that's just so subjective. But you have to remember that it does not matter where you came from or how much experience you have or don't have. When you walk into the room at an audition, I promise you, no one knows what they're doing. Because everyone's roughly 17, 18 years old. Maybe some students have more developed voices than others, oh well. What college programs are looking for are potential. They're looking for good people that they wanna spend the next four years with developing their skills. That's what they're looking for. Yes, they are looking for folks who already have skill in at least one or two of the three areas of musical theater, singing, dancing, and acting. But you don't need to be perfect. You're literally 17. You're 17 or 18 years old, and you might be auditioning professionally, which I would consider college auditions almost a professional audition. You might be doing this for the first time ever. That's okay. You have to cut yourself some slack because just because someone next to you has on their resume that they've been training for college auditions for the past four years, like it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. What I do stress the importance of is making sure that whatever you do go in to auditions with, you know, backwards and forwards, your material is ready to go. It's taken care of. It's not too complicated. It's not too strenuous on your voice. And it feels good. Like it just feels like you, you know, that's all you need. And it certainly does help working with a coach to hone in on that, maybe working with someone who has gone through the process before. But it's not necessary to get into a program because I can tell you firsthand that there are several friends of mine, peers of mine, literal classmates of mine that got into high performing musical theater programs in the country and didn't work with anyone, didn't go to a top performing arts high school, didn't have parents that paid for their voice lessons, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of dance lessons. You know, they just had a group around them that believed in them and a natural talent. And that, I know I'm on a soapbox right now, but I just want to circle back to the idea that you don't need to have life figured out at 17, 18. You don't have to have college auditions figured out at 17, 18. Because your life, your personality, everything about you is going to change over the next four years that you spend in college or out of college. So take that pressure off of you, because I promise it's it's not as uh, scary as you think it is. Speaking of scary, (laughs) I think... 2024 is the year to really push ourselves outside of what we're comfortable with, because I'm so tired, at least personally, feeling like I want something. I've always wanted something, but I can't have it because I don't have a certain skill. And this has always been the case for me with roles in musical theater that require you to play an instrument. Now, when I was growing up, I took a couple of years of piano lessons and they were pretty basic and I had little hands and I still have very small hands. So it's not like I'm super cut out to play an instrument, but I got to tell you, my sister learned guitar when she was 16, 15, 16. She learned guitar within like I want to say two or three weeks max and then learned an entire song and performed it at her talent show within the same month it was a Taylor Swift song I think it was actually 15 by Taylor Swift good song um she learned how to play it and she sang like she accompanied herself and sang and sounded really good and it was like a very defining moment for her because from then on out she started to fall in love with teaching herself how to play guitar she had never taken a lesson she certainly didn't really know anything about the guitar until she just picked it up one day and decided to learn it and I thought there have been so many times in my life where I've wanted to submit for a role or wanted my agents to submit me for a role that required me to um, play an instrument. And that was the one thing that was holding me back. I just didn't have that skill. So I have an audition coming up and I want to accompany myself, which is freaking really scary. Um, even saying it out loud, it's in a week, I'm terrified. Um, it might go horribly. It might be fine, but I just got, a keyboard. I invested in a decent keyboard and I thought, yeah, let me just, let me just try this. Like, let me just do this. And I think having the deadline of the audition for having to accompany myself at the audition, like having an actual date that I have to be semi-proficient at this is kind of lighting a fire under me because I'm telling myself like, I am going to go to that audition and I'm going to play. Now I do have a fallback, like say on the off chance that I just don't feel comfortable or whatever. Like there is a world in which I could just walk into that audition and sing and not play. But this character really, even though she's not necessarily playing live on stage, it does have to feel like the piano is a part of her. And since I started learning how to play again and teaching myself how to play again, I gotta tell you that playing and singing has such a different feel than singing with an accompanist in an audition room. The music becomes a part of you. Like I don't feel like when I, when I play the piano and I sing, I don't feel like I am performing for anyone else but myself. Whereas when I audition for a role and I stand in the center of the room and I look at the piano player and I nod to them, it's, it's really an entirely different experience. And even if I have to walk into that audition room and just stand there and sing, I have an entirely different outlook on the character because I now know what it feels like to have to play that song and sing the song. But if I can do it, any of you can do this. Like, trust me, I have the smallest hands ever. And they're not very inclined to be able to play piano well, but I'm getting by. Um, So if you're listening to this now and you're like, oh, I've always wanted to teach myself how to play guitar. I've always wanted to learn how to play the violin or whatever. It doesn't even need to be a skill that you can add to your resume. It could just be a hobby, just something to have fun doing. I highly suggest that you just start. The hardest part about it is starting. The hardest part about any of this for me was just saying to myself, I'm going to do this. Let me go get the piano. Once I got the piano, it became real. And I said, I got to sit my butt down and just learn this music. I'm telling you, it's so hard to start. But once you do and you start to practice little by little every day, ooh, it's going to feel so good. I'm a little chatty Kathy, over here, but I just have a lot to say. And I'm feeling very, very lucky, very blessed, very inspired by you all. And I want to keep that energy going in 2024 If you have a topic suggestion you want to hear addressed on the podcast, something that has been on your mind, something that you fear, something that you're struggling with, send that over to at Actor Aesthetic on Instagram or send me an email at Maggie at Actor Aesthetic. I look forward to hearing from you. And if you could, if you're listening to the episode on Apple Podcasts, can you please take a moment to just send over a quick review It helps actor aesthetic grow and reach more people and, most importantly, break down the barriers between training programs and the real world. There is such an informational gap there, and I want to make this industry as accessible as I can. I love you all. It takes a village. I'll see you all next week.